Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Kirsty Daw, CEO at Webio, on the topic of driving business productivity and collaboration through website optimization and personalization. Let's get started. Another episode of the Collab Talk podcast where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Kirsty Da. Hello, CEO for Hi. leading B2B website personalization software company Webio. Welcome. Hi, Christian. Thanks so much for um, having me on the podcast. And yeah, I'm, this is a really interesting topic and one that also fascinates me. So I'm looking forward to having a good conversation with you about it. Well, that's what I what I like about this too, and this this happens with a lot of the guests that I bring on, but I or I try to relate it to like I work in the enterprise collaboration space, so that's is very much I'm in a B two B world mostly. I develop mm-hmm. channel for my my day job before my company Rencore developed their channel for North America and Asia Pacific, and in India and other other countries where they pull me in because I have uh, connections there. But I like looking at these where, where you may have a focus and we'll, uh, we'll learn about your business um, and, and relate it to other businesses that we say, well, I don't quite fit within that category. It's like, no, I think this, this topic fits every company at some mm-hmm. level. They need to be thinking about this. And what yeah. we're talking about today, and this is the, the hope the, the, for, the, for the title to fit what we talk about. Driving business productivity and collaboration through website optimization and personalization. And maybe we can start with your background and an overview of your company. Sure, sure. So um, obviously we are, or we are Webio, we are a B2B website personalization and software working with B2B organizations globally to really empower them to serve just a more relevant um, experience to their B2B buyers visiting their website in real time. And obviously there's good reason for that, which is, you know, B2B buyer, the the buying unit is fragmented. We're talking to lots of different decision makers, lots of different um, types of organizations and businesses, and everyone is super busy. So, using personalization there's that real opportunity in b2b to get the right content in front of the right person as soon as they they hit the website and what that subsequently leads to is increased engagement conversion leads revenue all the important stuff um, and the reason why really the 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 website exists um my background um i am a b2b marketer so I, um, you know, I started uh, my career in marketing. I actually um, built up a B2B marketing agency before I um, basically started working on on Webio. And I'm just fascinated and continue to be um, fascinated by really data-driven marketing. Um, And actually in B2B, we are... I think almost more fortunate than our our B two C um, colleagues in that you know there is potentially richer data available to us um, 
as soon as we start talking to those organizations and we all have, you know, key accounts that we can find out about and we can do our own research, unlike in the in the B2C world where, you know, our, our prospects or our buyers are anonymous until they, they start to buy something. So um, it's I think I am our customer and I sat on the side of our customer, you know, knowing that the website is the most important part of the customer journey. I need to do more with it to drive conversion. And that's really where our customers are. Um, you know, they've worked hard on their um, SEO, their paid search. They're doing lots of stuff on digital media. The one area that they're not satisfied with is their conversion once those buyers get there. And that's the problem that we're trying to solve. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, talking to being being a marketing person, uh, you know, I've, I've not been in marketing roles most of my career, um, but um, but having marketing degrees and having that focus, and and I was a technology evangelist. A lot of people that know me in the in the Microsoft ecosystem, uh, you know, know that I was a, a you know chief evangelist for a couple different you know the ISVs, went through a couple acquisitions, things around that. Uh, and I would always tell them kind of two things. One, that the traditional marketing, the way that we were doing it 15, 20 years ago is pretty much broken. Uh, yeah. And then two, how important content was and that, uh, and most companies underestimate the effort, I guess this would be three things, underestimate <laughs> the effort that it takes to create the right content, good content. I. Yeah. I you know this i i know i'd love to hear your thoughts on that but this idea that i mean i I've, <laughs> I've seen smart marketing content like that was written by young people that aren't subject matter expertise in that area and it's it's good on the surface but do, then doesn't resonate because it's marketing copy versus it's almost artificial versus there's that the substance behind that so i don't know what i mean is so uh, as I, I, in fact, I think of myself as a content marketer. Is content the most important aspect of modern marketing? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I think um, there is no shortcut to content. Um, it is not about, um, you know, volumes and volumes of um, like top of the funnel content. We can't shortcut what we're doing with chat. GPT, we've really got to get into the mindset of where our customers are. And, um, you know, that is where so many functions fall down, especially because they don't think about content from a segmented perspective. They're, first of all, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. Most organizations neglect the middle of the funnel. So yeah. they've got loads of great thought leadership and stuff to get people interested in and loads of great case studies and you know you're here to buy and this is but nothing to really nurture those buyers in the middle of the funnel mm -hmm. and then also the segmentation from the different types of buyer perspective whether that be you know going at size of organization or industry or persona investing the time in in that good quality content will really shorten the buying cycle because you've already got that that prospect interested before they even have to talk to sales. And let's be clear, the millennials and the, you know, the next generation don't want to talk to sales. 
They want right. to find out everything they want to know through content. But isn't that part, engage. Of, so, that, yeah. that's part of that customer journey is to understand that uh, there are some people that want to try before they buy. They want to get their hands dirty. They want to, you know, they want to play with. So if it's a software or, or service, they want to do something. Other people want to read more. Other people want to immediately talk to the salesperson and 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 do that. Uh, and so you you have to provide as part of the journey. You know, each of those it's just another dimension to that journey. Uh, to, to you, you have to provide those methods for each way. It's just like what we understand now about modern, about uh, you know, in the enterprise, the learning journeys of different employees. We have different learning styles. Again, yeah. some people learn by doing, by practicing. Others can read about it and have that knowledge, and other people want to talk to you, learn from others, go through the traditional classroom that interaction, and so you yeah. you have to have all three. Yeah, and that's and that's where I mean, thinking about collaboration, um, you know, there is so much data that exists in businesses CRM in their marketing automation platform you know the first party data showing all the interactions that a buyer has had that it absolutely is possible for us to respond to the behavior that we're seeing but we don't or we create a one size fits all and um you know in b2c they probably do it better than us at the moment but behavior is as important as all of those other things that you know, we can identify as soon as we know who the business is. It's like, what are they doing? And how is that person behaving differently from that person? And that then helps you decide what's the next best step in the journey. You know, you know I have one experience, one company that I've worked with in all of my career where they really understood their funnel. And when I say that, they understood <laughs> You know, and, and and I was was one of the companies that I was chief evangelist for, and so I developed a lot of the the, the content. But we were constantly looking at. We understood that if you had a hundred new leads at the top of that funnel, we knew at the bottom of that process five sales. Yeah. And so we yeah. knew how anything we any content we had, any campaign we ran, how it was performing based on that history whether we were outperforming a number of leads at the top or underperforming and moving from marketing qualified to sales qualified, each of those phases. And, and it was a company that had, I think we had five and moved to six personas that okay. we were selling to. And so, and you would even, there were names for those personas. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so somebody would say like, Hey, Hey, I've got a Steve on the phone. I mean, everybody knew what, <laughs> that what he's talking about. Yeah. That, you know, that yeah. persona and, you know, where, and then somebody would say, it's like, where are they? They're at this phase within, it's like, okay. Um, so we were able to go in from a content perspective, exactly what you described, figure out where we were weak. If we were losing more than on this new campaign, why? Because we're not answering these questions. We don't have this information available, whatever it was. And we're able to go and build that. Now, having said that, so that company got acquired. That's the only client, that's the only company I've worked with that seemed to get that, to understand that process. How rare yeah. is that when you run into that in your business? Yeah, I mean, extremely. I think um, the 
the if I think about you know the businesses that that we talk to every day, most um, have a really good picture of their ICP, so their ideal customer profile, and um, if they've got that, that is an amazing starting point um, because and and to be clear that the ICP, as it sounds like in your situation here, that never just comes from marketing. That has to be driven by sales and marketing and customer success and every individual that that interacts with any buyer at any point in the journey. And that's how you really understand, okay, this is who we're talking to. And so the 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 customers that I see as as most successful at, you know, at that kind of like entry level is, okay, well, this is ICP, so therefore this is important to them, this is important, this is important to them, we're going to treat them differently. And then you've got other types of customers, and then you can go deeper in your segmentation. But you know, we we still and there are many, many organizations who don't have that. Um, they haven't even done that level of understanding. And it it makes things really tough because we're all in, it's particularly in technology, we're all in a retention space. And so if we don't have that, our churn and our customers falling out, um, the bottom of the funnel is just going to get higher and higher. So, I mean, I I can't think of one business that's got that level of um, persona segmentation at each of those levels where it sounded to me like an SDR might have been saying, oh, we've got, you know, a Steve on the phone. Like, that's phenomenal. But we do speak and we work with a lot of customers who say, yeah, we've we've generated this many ICP opportunities and this many who are like, you know, uh, good quality SMEs. So, so there is that, but probably not yet at that level. Yeah, like I said, it, it it was rare. We we I think when we were doing it, we knew like you know, like hey, we're just we're we're kind of we're you're like all, we're firing on all engines here. Uh, you know, it it uh, yeah. it just really really worked for that. Burned bright very shortly. Then again, acquisition changed model. Uh, yeah, but, I I think it's easier to do in a smaller organization because you've got that close alignment between all of the key functions and you don't have right. the like everybody has a single goal that they're working towards and then as you get bigger different functions start to think about just their agenda and then and then you lose that um, and but you've just got to keep bringing it back you've got to keep bringing it back and if you've got a CEO or a leader who can keep just reminding everyone this is what we're working towards you can you can keep it um and then it's the responsibility of the leaders within those functions to to do that well that what you just described right there i mean is 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 a i'm a huge advocate for uh you know top down centralized like okrs you know having having strong vision of where a, a company or an organization even a small team if you're managing 5 to 10 people have an idea like here's our focus here's our charter here's what we are supposed to go and do and so that every individual can be aligned with understanding okay here what what i'm doing daily weekly monthly mm -hmm. here's how it aligns and drives towards meeting these team goals and our team goals we already know align with our business unit goals which align with what the company is trying to accomplish within that 
fiscal year, for example. I just, yeah. I've, again, I've, I've seen that where it's, it's not that it's easy to do that. And it takes just a lot of focus and drive to, to stay on that. But, you know, or organizations, again, when, when you're talking about, and let's get into, let's talk about personalization, what that actually means uh, for your clients and then how that mm -hmm. relates to business. But again, you, you can have that as very personalized experiences for your customers for your employees but still um you know very very custom very unique to their styles to their learning all, all those things and yet still drive towards that those top line goals absolutely i mean if if that personalized or the, the personalization strategy isn't driving towards those top line goals why does it even exist and um, yeah, I'm a big fan of OKRs too. Um, we use them in Webio. We have our OKRs we set for the year, which is like to have been successful. These are the things that we're going to achieve as organization. And then we do quarterly OKRs and that's how the 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 um, each function creates theirs. But but going back to that point, when we are working with our customers on the um strategy for for personalization it is not right what are we going to do what are we going to personalize it is like what is the goal for your organization over the next 12 months over the next six months because because it's really easy to go tactical and to say well i really want to do this experience for this particular segment okay why and that's the thing that we're always asking our customers why do you want to do that why do you want to do that what is that leading towards Okay, so we get more leads. Well, why is that segment important? Because they're particularly valuable to us and we get high average order value in that sector. Okay, and why do we want to do that? Because not only that, they retain better. Okay, so that fits into the organization goal of creating and winning more high value opportunities for sales. So when we're working with our with our customers, we are understanding the overall business goals first. And then the strategy for personalization comes from that and it is completely driven by it. Each month, then we are revisiting those organization goals and saying, right, how is what we're doing continuing to work towards those? Because, again, you know, we're all full of bright ideas. We're all full of, oh, it'd be really cool if we did this. It'd be really cool if we did that. How is that working towards those organization goals? And also doing stuff that's going to have big impact fast um there's so much that we can do in marketing and it is our tendency i think as b2b marketers to go like heavily into the detail first we always say okay if this is important go wide first then you can go deeper but you've made an impact and you start to see some results so again that just really feeds back into think about it from a collaboration perspective everyone needs to see a win we need yeah. to see that actually the effort that we're putting in is working and it's working towards our goals. Then we put more effort in. Um, so, you know, personalization is just um, a way to it's a, it's an initiative, isn't it? Um, to help us achieve those the results and probably something that marketing would have if their um, key result was to increase website conversion by, you know, 
50% over the next six months. Again, why? Because we need more of those high quality leads, et cetera, et cetera. And then it all just goes, goes up to the top and the revenue goals for the organization. Yeah, I, I was sharing a story yesterday how I had uh, with a past company where we redesigned a website um, and uh, the, the company website and our, we saw a pretty sizable drop in traffic to the website with the new design, but mm -hmm. almost doubled our conversion rate. Yeah. And so the battle that I had with the COO was that uh, he was just could not let go of the fact that we had decreased traffic. I said, our goal is conversions. If we are doubling our conversions, that's a really great thing. So whether that means that we're now we're cutting through and we don't have as many less desirable people on the site. It's we have a, a fewer, but of a higher quality visitor and we're converting. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Uh, and just couldn't let go of that. The fact that one of the numbers up, I'm like, well, we'll grow that over time. We'll experiment and do things. Yeah. It, but, it, it, you have to come back to revenue and I've got a really good, because that, because that is why, you know, marketing exists, whether that is to, you know, help us acquire more customers or grow the customers that we have. It's to drive revenue and growth for the organization. And I've got a really nice example that I can share with you of, of one of our customers, um, Regpex, actually, who did something really smart with um, personalization. So so they have some key industry segments that they um they, they work with and target and some of them are quite you know they're not they work with um camps they work with education they work with um like theaters really really different types of uh, it's registration software so really different types of um organizations and those are the ones that are high value like they're really, really specific. If they're this, they're high value, they're going to buy, they're going to stay with us. But they also get a lot of traffic to their website. There's two things. It's either they can't service it because it's like not in one of their, their key areas and um, they just aren't an industry that's going to get enough value. So as well as really, really focusing on personalizing to those industries, and using behavior to do that. So seeing, okay, well, the buyer's just gone onto this particular industry page, right? What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make sure, and this happens in real time, that every um, other page now focuses on content around that industry during that experience, because I've kind of closed it off and I know that that's what they're interested in. So they're really honing in on the ones that are important to us. The other smart thing that they're doing is the ones that aren't important, they're creating a separate experience for them, which is, um, okay, well, we don't want to do demos with them. We don't want to put salesperson in front of them, but they could buy the product. Let's drive them towards a free trial. And so they're getting a completely different experience. Um, and what that particular, um, the client has said to us is, do you know what? Like the volume actually hasn't gone up. Um, we're getting an increased conversion because obviously we're focusing on demos. We're moving all of these people to to free trial. But what has gone up is the conversion to sale. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important thing, because, of course, we could get more leads and we could get more demos through. But if the sales guys can't convert them, 
then and and that's that's what personalization can do as well it can just yeah. help you get more of the right people um through so it's very similar to what you just said you're getting more people converting on the site and it doesn't matter about the traffic but you can also measure it right right the way through to sale because if you really talk to them they already understand much much more when they go through to demo when they go in front of a salesperson and filtering out the poorer quality stuff as well you know i'm really interested around uh, where there's so much uh, I'd say that the consumer audience is getting much more aware of being tracked. Um, uh, you know, the the laws around cookies on sites and things are, are are changing. So some of the standards are changing around that. Uh, I mean, I've written about uh, the duopoly that we have of Google and Facebook really have been so dominant in and yeah. that you know in, in I'd say mishandling of end user information. So so. People are being more aware of that and changing some of their behaviors. And as part of what's changing in the B2C realm, are, are we seeing similar shifts within the B2B? Is it, I mean, it is a little bit different. And when I go yeah. to, like, when I when I go to a vendor site, like I've got vendor pages and somebody just sent me to a new uh, you know, AI-driven audio video editing experience that's all online, and I'm I'm investigating that. But I know that I'm signing in. I'm going to do the trial. They're going to have my data. They're going to be marketing to me, and I. But I'm okay with that. Where I'm not okay with that in the consumer realm. Yeah, yeah. I think it. You made a really good point there. I think it is. If it may, especially in business we want stuff to make our life easier. So if you're giving me stuff that's relevant and you're you're getting it to me faster, I'm in for that. I'm not in for like the creepy stuff, which is just to say, hey, I can see you're here. Like, what's the point of that? Like, that's not gonna help me. And, um, you know, we we talk a lot. I mean, Gardner did a study on it, the difference between recognition-based personalization and help me-based personalization. And help me is what works. Mm -hmm. um, and we're all super busy. So the business that is going to give me the right stuff and make it easy for me, I am going to be more attracted to. And, um, you know, more and more of our our customers are using their their own first party data to personalize. So yes, there will always be a place for um, for cookies, but first party cookies where we are though they are being used to create a more powerful experience. So if I think about the integrations that we have with Marketo and with HubSpot and Pardot, um, those tools themselves are collecting information that the customer has built or the the buyer, the potential buyer has been happy to share in exchange mm -hmm. for, say, some really good content or to, you know, um, interact in some way that's valuable to them. What we're then able to do is to use those first party cookies to surface a personalized experience again in real time as the buyer hits the website. Um, and again, there's value in that. And then we've also, so there's less of an issue there because that's the first party data. We don't, act, all we're doing is pulling a list. So a list name, we don't actually get any of the data itself. We're just mm -hmm. pulling in a smart list um, number. 
but they've created that rich experience. And then, of course, we've got IP data, which is all done at a business level. Um, so again, there's there's less concerns about that because it's based on IP address. There is no personal data being shared, um, but still really, really powerful. And you've got so many amazing B2B um, technology companies leveraging the, the power of IP data to do really fantastic stuff. And we're going to talk about ABM. Like I think yeah. in, in ABM, um, IP data really comes into its own because um, every B2B organization, unless they are playing at what they're doing, will have a list of target key accounts, ABM accounts, businesses that either they, they really want to grow, there's loads of white space in, or that they, they want to win. And we can use IP data to identify, you know, they've been on the site, they've looked at this, and in real time, serve a personalized experience. And we've got customers doing that, again, really, really well at the moment, and also seeing that converting to revenue. The great thing about that is that it's the, often the sales team that are getting that feedback. Oh, I went onto the website and you gave me this great stuff, or it was, you know, relevant to what we talked about last time. And sales get that, and then that they're much more forthcoming in terms of updating the CRM, putting stuff in there that's going to be useful because we can use that to inform the personalized experience. Yeah. Well, again, you know, going back to that that one unicorn experience, I mean, one of the things that, again, we did really well was that the handoffs between the various interactions, so sales and marketing. So just to your point, uh, you know, sales would know and they would go in and the next conversation, they would the follow-up call that they had a task in the CRM, they're following up with that client. Yeah. They see that since the last time a month ago that they connected, that client has downloaded this new ebook, participated in this other webinar, um, received an email campaign on this topic. And so you can, you've got something else to follow up on, to talk about. Did yeah. you get a chance to read yeah. that? Did you look? Did you have other questions? Um, they could see in the system that, as a follow up to that ebook, there were three other articles that have been out on the blog that have been published that have been tagged in the CRM that they can also, hey, if you're interested in that topic, you want to find out more, you know, I can point you to these. Each of those pieces then had a call to action to go in demo to trial it or to talk to somebody in sales so it all moves it continues to nurture and move people down that path but it kind of goes back to there's a, a, again i point out which i i'm just i'm very passionate about but there's this idea that in that conversation some people want to uh, you know have the option to well first and foremost the salesperson should be focused on making the sale, actually closing that that business, having that as option one. But if there is any reluctance around that, they need more information, then there should be follow-up content that builds on what they've already had. Don't send them the same thing. We we know that they've already read these things or downloaded those and you can have a conversation about that. Or to 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 trial, to find out more, or maybe it's case studies or whatever it is, but you have all of those pieces ready to go so that if the answer to the question are you ready to buy is no you can give them another piece to help them further down that that path yeah i mean it, it's so rare in b2b that um 
you have a conversation with a customer or do a demo and then they're ready to buy, you know, it, the latency is long. And so, um, the, you know, enable, empowering the sales team with, with content and insight, but also translating that into the website experience as well is really powerful. So what have you been talking about? I, I, when the, the, the best, one of the best times to do that is when you're in like an RFP process or pipeline, because um, you know that you're one of the potential vendors, um, but you're, you're just, wait, it's a waiting game. Um, but you know, they're going to be checking the website because they're doing that beginning, middle, you know, all the way through the funnel. So it's a great using ABM at that point in creating a personalized experience is a, just a great way to achieve standout and remind them because that you understand their business and you know how to support them. Because the, for the most part, the B2B website, you know, is totally generic. It yeah. is a one size fits all. And you would never dream of letting a salesperson talk to an organization in a, well, this is what we do. It would always be, I've done my research. This is what I think that's relevant to you. It should be exactly the same on the website, especially when they are in that, that buyer journey and they, you know, are at pipeline or RFP stage or whatever it is. It's, it's a really nice way to, to show that you really understand them on, on a, a constant basis. Right. No. It, and uh... Playing that, I just just something, just a memory kind of came up too. Of just remember uh, sitting and doing uh, again. We were doing some form of account based marketing. We were we knew when you know multiple people from a client would come in. It would actually we had triggers. We had alerts, notifications mm -hmm. that set off yeah. that we had like three or more people from the same company within a you know a, a, a couple day period go and look at a website or something. You know, okay, there's something about that mm -hmm. and we'd have the initial conversation and we would actually have discussions about content and we would then just push across like it was a newsletter like it just happened uh, you know like, <laughs> like hey for folks that you know are interested in this topic you may be interested in this these data points and this other article and we'd push it just to those four people mm -hmm. from that company and how effective that was to to do that mm -hmm. um yeah it, it's uh, so I know a lot of that too. You can automate that when you start to better understand how people are in the system. It's funny too. We're talking about external B two B, but there's so much about this. Uh, I'm an advocate about that level of of personalization for internal learning. You can follow some of these same practices internally on your internet or you know, through you know where, where you see adoption of of technology so whether you're so that is a, it's a big area of focus with a lot of larger enterprises is adoption we've paid for all this technology how do we get people to use it well you can first by understand what are they doing today and yes. then start looking at is it because of a lack of training is it a lack of knowledge on that can we push them articles how to do certain things can we you know, and basically build internal campaigns to go and promote these activities. I, I don't know if you're familiar with in Microsoft, they have their Microsoft Viva platform, which is their employee experience, experience management, you know, platform, the salute various yeah. solutions. 
Well, a new one that's coming out that's launching. Sorry, I'm getting on my Microsoft soapbox here. Uh, <laughs> is the is called Viva Amplify, which is mm -hmm. essentially an internal marketing tool. So you can create campaigns with complex workflow with the multiple com you know uh, based on employee reactions set up a, a workflow of uh, you know a bunch of content to feed them to make sure that you know are they trained in the right way are we are they developing healthy habits around the technologies the tools our processes driving towards our what are our goals our okrs for the organization and so you could take some of the same thinking from the B2B external world yeah. and do those things internally, which I yeah. fascinated to see how that evolves and changes. Well, I mean, I don't, yeah, I know that, that our, our customers, you know, they're very well aware of, nobody buys any technology and, you know, you plug it in and you do nothing and it, it, it transforms your business. That's not, that's not wait, how it works. Wait, what are you talking about? I can't just buy something and it just magically <laughs> solves everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh. so I, I, I really think it's our job as, you know, a vendor and is like, so I, I get to understand what Microsoft is doing, but like to really teach our customers best practice and in some cases and a lot in a lot of cases actually because resource is always really restricted in every organization especially if you buy a piece of technology you have to put effort in first to get it to work once that effort's done then it starts to flow through that's always where it falls down and if that effort doesn't happen you know in those first six to 12 months they're not going to get the value they may not renew and it won't because your product's no good it will be because they've not used it um and so it's it's really our job to provide a level of best practice pro services to actually get them started to get that stuff in you know we a lot of the time we're creating the you know the first six personalized campaigns for our customers. So we'll work with them, we'll understand their goals, we'll understand the value proposition for each of the industries say they want to go after, and then we'll go, right, well, this is best practice. And then we'll build it for them. Because the biggest, I always call it, it's, it's blank sheet of paper syndrome. Yes. Nobody wants to sit there with a blank sheet of paper, start them off on the journey, and they know what to do next. And well, that's where yeah. we really fall down, I think, as vendors, we don't do that enough. Well, that that's look. I mean, it, it's it, it's uh, that's why you pilot. That's why you trial trial things, and that's why people love templates to give give them, you know, eighty percent of what they need for exactly their that, industry, yeah. for their business type, and then they go and funny enough, we're talking about personalization. Personalize mm -hmm. it, customize it for their business yeah. and what's unique about yeah. their their pitch. Where do you see like where? When you go in working with new clients, like what are mm -hmm. are there common failures? Uh, are there are there areas that you see consistently that that companies are 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 not moving in the right direction, not doing the right things? Um, I think there's you know, it definitely comes back to um, I think resource is a big thing. 
Um, but we're really aware, aware of that now, and it's something that, that we're, we're learning and, and continue to learn as an organisation. So we support and provide, like you talked about, the, the templates, the best practice guidance to, to do that, because that's where they'll fall down. Like if we just give them the product and train them how to use it. You mean that it, one part-time person is not sufficient to run it for the entire business? <laughs> it's not even that. It's like... That's it's usually what it is, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not because because it, it it is just it's getting started because we all start off with a lot of enthusiasm and we might start and do one or two things, but finishing those things um, is a challenge because business as usual gets in the way. Um, so I think there's that that is definitely something that all of our clients are very well aware of and something we work with them on and provide and put that as part of the the product is right we're going to provide you with this many experiences we're going to build this, this best practice um and then also the other thing is to try and be too too clever too fast um like it's what i said earlier about go wide then go deep um think about like we'll look at um OK, for every industry you're targeting, we're able to tell them these are the top five pages that are being visited by this, the, the industry. And in actual fact, sometimes the industry pages that they've spent time building aren't even being visited. And so it's like, right, OK, so you, you definitely need to, to do this page, this page, this page. The other thing that everyone does is they go, oh, we'll just focus on the home page. Like, of course, yes, people go to the home page, but there are lots of other much more valuable pages so we're able we're able to tell them like by industry so let's say they're targeting pharma okay well the pharma sector spend most of their time on these five pages so let's focus our energies here and we'll get those done first so it's just it's being smart with your time um and you know i wouldn't say it's, it's like bang for bang for buck like think about what quick wins you can get um and also, from a personalization perspective, um, it is not enough to put a company name in uh, and think that the world is going to change. Um, you do need to think a bit about why um, an SMB would have a different experience and requirement to an enterprise level business. And that's our job as marketers. We should have that information anyway. So, you know, just making sure that that we've got we've got clarity on that. But again, you know, we 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 have ways to tease that out, and that often sales are involved in those conversations. Um, and that just comes back to to collaboration. It's like marketing can't go off on their own and know everything about what's important to an enterprise organization. They need sales um, to give them that, and they need customer success. Um, so I think those are the three things, you know, it's, it's the resource, it's trying to be too, too smart and also, and just not doing enough, thinking, oh, I've done that, it's not working. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's an important part too, because uh, uh, as a collaboration guy, I mean, I, and, and somebody who has run governance bodies for different, mostly in IT, but the 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 whole thing about governance is that it's cross-functional. It's you have representatives, stakeholders from different areas of the business, and not every topic is going to be relevant across all those things. But uh, often, when we get in our silos, I'm in marketing, uh, and I think, well, you know, um, 
customer advocacy doesn't was not going to have anything to say and they may then raise their voice and say hey actually on that topic here are the impacts here's conversations we're having with customers and so uh i mean just if you had something as simple as uh you know, traditionally support customer success your sales and marketing and then yes. you may also have product and engineering because be decisions that are made that could impact um, again, I'm in the software business. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, talking about engineering, there's always product impact to those things. And That's product cool. needs to have a better understanding of, oh, this is how, uh, whether it's product or service, you know, here's how sales and marketing are positioning what we're building and to make sure that there's alignment there. Uh, and so everybody yeah. could have input. And it's always good for other aspects of the business to understand how customers are actually reacting to the pitch, the story, the content, the features, all of those yeah. things. So if you're yeah. not having that a collaborative approach and talking on a regular basis um, from the perspective of, I would say sales and closing business, um, that's an important perspective that you're depriving teams of uh, you know, it's a slice of reality that you're depriving them of. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's why OKRs are so great, though, because, um, you know, when we've got that that common organizational goal and it might be, you know, we want to um, increase retention by a certain percentage, you know, every everybody's working towards that. You know, sales, like we need to bring in better customers, we need to bring in more ITPs, marketers, we need to generate more of these types of leads, engineering, you know, this is what's really important to our um, highest value retaining customers. So let's work on, ooh, let's work on these things first, the same with products. So um, it, it all fits together. And, you know, when you were talking um, there earlier about, um, you know, listening to, to what, sales are saying and, and translating that into the experience. I think website personalization has a real opportunity that um, is presented in B2B because if you look at any B2B website, most of them are, they use very generic brand focused marketing. -y. Does it actually sound, it's kind of like, it can be sounds good, but what does it do? Um, and so with personalization, you can cut that out because, yes, of course, you still need to present the brand image and you still need to have this. You know, if a if a business just wants an overview, they can see that. But you can really talk about what's important to those type, a certain type of organization when you do personalization. And yeah, you by by its nature especially within corporates we do have to have that overarching experience but we can change it for people that we know are engaged and are the right types of customers for us which is you know i'm only thinking of an experience that we were working with a, a customer on the other day and you know they're very focused on the product and this is what we do and it's so great and it's a world first okay okay what does that mean to yeah. The person who's thinking, should I, should I have this? Should I invest in this? What, you know, and I think we miss that a lot. 
um, as marketers, especially when we don't collaborate and talk to the guys who are who are selling or all the guys who are keeping customers. So, yeah, really key. Yeah, it's uh, I, I know it's rare for marketing people to get out ahead of what the rest of the company is thinking and doing. And it's so rare. Um, they're uh, yeah, especially with uh, messaging and positioning. It's funny because uh, just I worked with the company years ago that kept using the phrase category creator. And what we would run into <laughs> is that uh, the translation for customers and even partners was that untested. <laughs> question whether this category can be sustained with a company be around in a few years. And so they thought that the founders thought it was the greatest thing to be out there in front of the category creators. Like, how is that landing? How is that message being received? Is it the right messaging to be able to close business? Um, was just yeah. very, very different. But well, especially if you are, you know, starting out and, um, you know, you've got something that's new and innovative. The last thing you want to do is make it complicated. Um, well, that's always the hard thing to do. I, I know there's a very different topic, but uh, you know, it's it's a having been a startup uh, uh, founder, co-founder, um, like knowing what to call it, how to describe it. That's why I mean, you should be very thoughtful about that process. Part of that is about understanding. Um, there's nothing that's brand new that no one's ever thought of it this widget that's just going to change the world and there's nothing like it there's always competition out there there are like services or products so there are ways that people are looking at your space your category and you need to do to, your messaging and positioning should stand out mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. still be identified with that space so people understand okay i understand what it is that's the yeah yeah. Ran into that problem. People yeah. didn't know. It's like, well, that sounds great. W what is it that you do? <laughs> yeah, I was talking. I, I love, I don't know, you probably do and have heard of April Dunford. Um, her great book, obviously awesome. And when she talks about, I, I saw her at uh, an event um, last year and that she said, you know, the, the thing that most buyers do is not go somewhere else, it's do nothing. So we've got to make it really easy for them to see, like in, in terms of our category and how we describe our product, this is what we do, and it solves this problem. The other ways that you can solve this problem are this, this, and this, but here's why they fall short. Yeah. That's like the, the message. And then like, you know, no, no buyer is going to like be like, well, you know, why are you telling me that? They, they much prefer not to have, of course, they'll still go and do their own research, but save them time make it easy make it easy for them to buy yeah well that yeah make it easy for people to buy make it easy to to partner with your company um make it easy right that's that's uh well that's that's kind of i i think of this in terms of like search optimization uh on mm -hmm. your site if you find people are finding you know uh, searching on content and be like yeah, but they're not finding the relevant content well then there's a problem with your search experience they're the you're yeah. using the wrong keywords. It's structured in the wrong way. You've got content that's being hidden behind permissions and other other walls and barriers that are keeping it from them. So part of it is streamlining what you already have to make sure that people are able to get to the right, surface the right information at the right time. That's it. It's just make my life easier. And so it does, it's not, it's not complicated. It's just what's most important, get it to the top of the 
of the page, show it to them. That then drives them in. Then, you know, the time on site, the um, the bounce rate reduction, just because, OK, I'm here, I'm in the right place. Here's other people that look like me. This is the right, you know, message. This is actually the problem I want to solve. Great, I'm going to go deeper. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Well, Kirsty, I know that we're we we've covered a lot of ground around this. I always like to 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 end if people want to find out more about Webio, find out what you do. Um, what's your pitch for your companies for your uh, for your services? Yeah, so I mean, really, for there's two sides. Any business that wants to. Uh, in the B2B space that wants to drive more from their website, they should talk to, to Webio, whether that is, you know, I've got hundreds of thousands of visitors and I want to convert more to demos, or I've got 10 key accounts and I want to make sure that I really create a powerful experience for those organisations. Um, don't let all of your marketing go to waste by letting it fall on a website that is like, Oh, well, that was a really great campaign. And now I'm here. I'm like, oh, like this is not this is not relevant to me at all. Um, you know, if you're interested, go have a look at the website. We've got some great videos on there. We've got some good middle of the funnel content. We do talk a lot about CRO because that's why businesses come to us. So it's not we we don't there's, there's not loads and loads on the product. We are talking about the power of conversion rate optimization and, and what to do there. And of course, if you would like a demo, um, you know, you can reach out to, to me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to hear from anyone. Obviously, go through the website as well. Um, we'd love to be able to show you the product in more detail, but you can get so much from, from the website as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was great meeting you and talking to you. And I'm sure we'll be sharing some links and other info via uh, yeah. LinkedIn as well. So this is a important space that just about every one of my partners and companies I work with uh, have a vested interest in, in improving their personalization and their searchability on their sites. Yeah, their no, absolutely. Conversion. Yeah. Yeah, it's, power, it's powerful stuff. Well, thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published weekly, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.